0: My name is Porik Kelly, and as always, I'm joined by Oshin Collins. Hey, Porik. We're back for European Rugby. Yeah, we are. And as always, all about the Pro 14 teams. Yeah, we reckoned, given that it's a European week, but some of our favourite teams are still in action, let's see how they get on against the juggernauts of Europe. Juggernauts of Europe. Well, I mean, the Timosaurus Irisons aren't going to beat themselves. Fair enough, but first we'll take a look at the rugby news from the, from this week. Yeah, and you've got the first one. Connacht announced plans for a swanky new stadium. Yep, 12,000 seater, baby. That's pretty good. I mean, what's the sports ground now? Five, six? Eight out of push. Okay, nice. Yeah, that's people <laughs> sitting on top of the walls, looking over the backstand. Extended standing terraces behind the goals with no cover in the rain. A couple of people on the actual drug track around it. Yeah, stuff like that. Okay, nice. Really, really good plans. Should be built by 2020, complete in the stages. Okay high-tech facility next to the pitch being built first, okay, so basically still going to be in the old sports ground for the rest of this season and next year, probably. yeah, it looks like we're going to be there. they're going to build it around so people be moving from behind to, from stand to behind goals as they're doing things around the place. okay, nice. The other side of it is obviously no one got to see the real sports ground this weekend because b t sports, despite buying exclusive rights to the challenge cup, took the genius decision to show zero of the round one games. Geniuses do genius things sometimes. Well, you know, it's just so unfortunate, given what Air Sports and Premier Sports are doing, showing every single game in the Pro Fourteen live. BT put all of the money in; they can get all of the banter that they want at half time for extra banter and post match banter, but they can't show the games that are happening. And the thing is, oh, they have banter though. There is banter. Lots of banter. But like the thing is, for people at matches, they see these two half decent cameras for match highlights and go like. But there's going to be a TMO now, because no, that's, that's not how it works. Nope, no full TV coverage, no TMO. Exactly. No, really disappointing, but lots of banter. But one thing that isn't banter is the law change that came into immediate effect during the week is the lifter having a duty of care in open play. Yeah, so extending the principle from the line-out, now if you do lift a player in open play, so usually you see this from kickoffs. there's now a specific duty of care on the lifter to bring the player back down to ground safety. Like the worry from my perspective, safety good, but is this going to give more license to players like Israel Folau to clatter players in the air? You can't take someone out of the air in the line-out. So those exact same laws are in play. It just means the second the person there the air has the ball, you've got to get him to ground straight away. Well, you know what, we'll see how it lands. Some of these mid-season law changes take a while to, to get adopted, but I think it's going to be important. And if it improves player safety, so much the better. And, you know, there's player safety and there's player welfare. The League of Nations idea is still there. Yeah, and World Rugby have come out kind of supporting it now, which is really disappointing. I mean, we covered this last week. We don't need to go into it in detail. For my money, it's a stupid idea. It harms tier two sides, and it's just more fixtures into a congested season. Like, sort the global season out, then come back to me, please. Like we said, the gap between the haves and have-nots will widen. And we saw on Friday, when there's a gap between the haves and have-nots... Big score can be put up. Yeah, I mean, just wow. First game of this year's European season, Leinster versus Wasps, 52 points to three. Nobody expected this. I saw a really great picture online, how we see Wasps and it's the Wasp players. And then how Leinster see wasps and it's those black and yellow amber road bumps. Oh, yeah. I mean, it w- it really was. It was an incredible game. And to be honest, I think the only way you're going to see the highlights is in a darkened room at the back of a blockbuster with XXX <laughs> over the door. And we're just talking about the level of rugby being played, not alone the scoreline. No, absolutely. Um, It could have been more as well, though. That scoreline could have been bigger. Leinster took a while, as they've been doing this season, to get going in the first half. And they butchered a couple of chances. Yeah, The trend of Leinster letting teams throw the kitchen sink at them for 40 minutes and then going, okay, we're going to beat you now, continues. Uh, It's incredible. And you know what? It was a champion's performance. Like, that's the type of stuff that puts the fear of God into your opposition. I mean, never mind the opposition, even the referees aren't safe. He backed into. I bet. (laughs) How (laughs) much? He backed into me, Ref. Oh, no, it is the ref. <laughs> How much do you want to bet that Ruddock gets cited for that? Oh, I hope not. I mean, it, I think it was just an accident. It was, it was a little bit funny at the time, but nice to see Pot go off and be able to walk off the pitch. And interesting to kind of hear a version of the HIA protocol as well over the ref mic. Who are you? Where are you? What's the score? It's quite cool. Yeah, and it shows what players go through, well, to some degree. A version of it, yeah. And, like, talking about those players, Leinster, the, the individual skills are just obscene. Like, Sexton's little whip through the legs for that try. Tight furlong playing like Gary Ringrose, you know, it was incredible. Yeah, and the thing is, that Sexton pass through the legs wasn't the best thing about that try. No, absolutely (laughs) not. James Ryan taking the ball from behind him, from a line that I had to watch the moment back four times to see where he came from. Well, he went through the tackle like a DeLorean trying to get to time travel speed. It was (laughs) incredible. And again, what can we say? James Lowe just everywhere on that pitch. He unplayable. Is. He's completely unplayable. He's not even borderline. He's just unplayable. Yeah. Again, man of the match. And across the whole team, Leinster, just everything they do in attack, in defence, is so physical. You just see there's a love for defending. There's a love for running with the ball. There's just They're just playing rugby with love at the moment, the way rugby should be played. The only bit that you wouldn't really fall in love with was their line-out, which was uncharacteristically poor. Or if you're not a Cronin fan characteristically poor yeah i mean he's he's so valuable in the loose he's such a good carrier he's so pacey but it's pretty obvious that he is the weak link within that pack and particularly at set piece time and the problem is tracy's not exactly gonna light the world up for you either so have we, fa- have we found the leicester weakness oh my god what do we do <laughs> <laughs> they'll have it plugged now by next week this is our fault for pointing it out oh, damn well, taking a quick look at the other game in this pool, Bath lost at home to Toulouse, 20 points to 22, despite having a couple of chances to win the game at the end. We're not going to go into any great length about it, no Pro 14 sides, and well, let's let's take our time focusing on top league teams. Only the best in the second row podcast, and we'll move on to pool two. That's it, and Exeter away to Munster, 10 points to 10, and I tell you, Park, I would have bitten your hand off for this before kickoff. Especially with Earl's being replaced with Sweetnam before kickoff. Yeah, like Sweetenham has had a great start to the year, but Earl's is just one of our best players, and I was watching the team run out, and just, where, 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 where is, where's Keith? <laughs> where is he? Oh no, 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 not Earl's, <laughs> not again. <laughs> but like, I tell you what, it was really smart play from Munster, across the pitch from 1 to 15. Including one of your completely favourite players, Williams, who had, in all fairness to him, a really good game. Some great moments. His triple tackle was just incredible. It was. And Duncan is one of those players who will always have a couple of signature brain farts. And in this game, they were vastly outweighed by the good work that he did. This was a real concern for Munster coming into this game. And it's a real testament to how he played that it wasn't a disaster. And like I've said about the other scrum halves Munster have, if you're not getting in front of Duncan Williams... There's got to be something there. Yeah. There is one big talking point from this match. Uh, I think I know where this is going. The Conway charge down. On Steenson. Yeah. Yeah. That he should have been binned for. Or at least he... Did he make contact with Steenson's head? See, I didn't think he did. did. I'll watch it again. He did. He (laughs) makes contact with the head. Like the big question was, is there anything never mind the head, but was there anything he could do? Like I think he was doing his level best to effect a legitimate charge down. Conway's quick. He was damn close to it. And I think if he touches the ball, whether he follows through on Steenson or not, if he blocks it down, it's all good. But like the head is up like six feet away from the ball. The ball goes up. Yeah, look. I think if you're doing a <laughs> block down, aiming for the boots is better than aiming for the face. Somewhere in the middle of those two places <laughs> is probably right. Look, I, I think there was there was certainly a chat there, and I'm glad he wasn't carded. Um, he will be cited. Do you reckon? Yeah. yeah, we'll watch this space. What do you think about Exeter? I'm telling you right now, they with that type of wind, you cannot have that slim a lead, and they have played a very poor game overall. I actually think they bottled it. They had multiple opportunities to win this game, including being in possession five metres out from the line, deep into injury time. That knock-on is criminal, especially for a team that pride themselves on grinding teams down. Yeah. Um. Like I think for me, the big strength for Munster in this was they were just smarter than Exeter. They played the conditions and they played the game really well. Lots of tight ball. They put up contestable kicks when the wind was whipping around. And it's the age-old story. You get Munster in Europe, and it's just a different animal. And there's a bigger picture problem there for Munster if they can only play well in big matches, as we've seen in the Pro 14. But you know what? That doesn't take away from how good Peter Mahoney was, Ty Byrne was. The line-out was incredible. Yeah, I think we won more of Exeter's ball than they did. Once again, showing how they couldn't handle the conditions as well. Yeah, very true. And they had a couple of crooked throw-ins, and I was so impressed with Niall scannell's throwing in particular. Um, in a weekend where... You know, Rory Best and Sean Cronin didn't necessarily have the best games. Niall no, Scandal kind of looked outstanding. But on the other side of that, your scrum was ropey. Yeah, and that's even with the third, second row. How, after all of last week, did the ref not kind of look at Pierre Mahoney the full scrum? Like, you were definitely in the wrong place there, mate. And the worst thing is, he can still get that position without binding onto the prop. He can just... Not bind across the second row, but just bind next to him like this. Yeah, but you know what? I think it's a firmer bind if he's up under. It's No great. one can see our hand. No <laughs> one can see our hand. Yeah. Well done. It's an audio. <sighs> but you had a few chances to win the game. Probably, but you know what? I'll take it. And especially given the other result in this pool, Gloucester beating Cast at Home 19 points to 14, a draw in this against Exeter is an absolute gift. That pool is wide open. And in the next pool, Leon played host to Cardiff, who uh, went away with a 30 points to 21 win for the Welshman. That is incredible. Like, Leon are flying high in the top fourteen; They are no slouches. And particularly given the controversial bit of refereeing for their first try. So, five metre scrum, number eight picks it up, runs over for the try. But he kind of bobbles the pick up. 99 times out of 100, never mind 9 out of 10, that's a knock on. But yeah, no problem. TMO would it. Absolutely fine. As long as that's the one then you get the try, I don't think they're going to complain. No. Um. And the funny thing was, Cardiff were probably forcing it a bit in the first 25 minutes. An issue they've had in the Pro 14. Like, they're not able to capitalise on their territory and possession at times. It's something they really need to work on. Although when they do break, they do look really, really good. Uh, Thomas Williams and Ollie Robinson tore them open down the right wing. And then another good try after an intercept from Ellis Jenkins, who had a, an outstanding game. Don't you always say that, though? I do. I love Ellis Jenkins. He's great. <laughs> Lionel Boxiste, though, for Leon, rolling back the years. Yeah, you kind of forget that he existed and like was a French international. But his kicking was brilliant. It was one of the reasons that Leon were holding on in this game. But Cardiff really came out in the second half. And another lovely try for Anscombe. It was beautiful. I mean, it, he just looks like he can fix defenders exactly where he wants them and like chart a path between them all. It really was like it was in slow motion. Yeah, it was outstanding. Um, credit to Leon, though. They went out and tried to chase the win. But unfortunately, they ended up costing themselves a bonus point. And in a pool this close, that could hurt them. It really will. But the thing is, that all comes down to the Cardiff back row. They were outstanding today. They just held on to the ball so well. Robinson, Jenkins, Navidi. That's an international quality back row. It is, and they played like it today. And I think what was really good in terms of creativity, Cardiff have finally figured out how to get Jared Evans and Gareth Anscombe on the pitch at the same time. The two pivots. We figured it out in week two on our podcast, but they eventually got there. And having those on either side of a scrum or being able to play one in the second wave of attack... It's so important. You see teams do this with 10 and 15 or 10 and 12, and Cardiff nailed it in this game. Especially when they have players like Lilo and Halaholo, who by their own standards had a very quiet game. Yeah, I mean, there was a couple of nice offloads, but they weren't breaking the line with the same kind of regularity. And as I think we've said before, Cardiff just needed to be a little bit more patient at times and let the scores come. And fans need to be patient if they're watching the other game in Pool 3 today. Glasgow v Saracens. Saracens winning... Thirteen points to three. Yeah, and really unfortunately, it seems that Glasgow still haven't cracked that European form continuing on as they did last season. Oh yeah, it was just a really a dire it wasn't a good game. And for me personally, I see Saracens playing it takes me a lot to be invested in any way, shape, or form. Well, it's quite predictable. You know what you're going to get with a Saracen's performance. They will just dog a game out and grind down a Glasgow defence. And I thought Glasgow showed an awful lot of endeavour. They just didn't seem to have that line break that they needed or that last pass. And that's credit to, sadly, the Saracen scramble defence. Like, they just seem to always be there. But you know what? Did that look like a performance of potential champions to you? Neither team looked like potential champions from that game. I mean, no score in the second half is a worry for both sides. I think really worrying for Glasgow, just that one penalty and scoring it after about 20 minutes... Don't get me wrong, their defence was excellent, keeping Saracens to nil in the second half, and like their physicality. And how many players are on the physio table for Saris after this? Oh, hold on a second. Billy is injured? Yep. Mako has his foot in a moon boot, and Jamie George and Maro Itoje both have broken noses. To be fair, I think anybody would have broken Maro Toge's nose after him jumping around when Glasgow thought they'd got that try. He's a world class pest. Which is what you want from a second row. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, not that type of pest. You want the kind of the Peter Manny pest. Exactly. You want someone who's going to, you know, annoy them in the line out or in the scrum, not being after jerk. the whistle. <laughs> oh, I think from concerns, though, you can tell that Glasgow are missing Stuart Hogg and the creativity he brings to that back line. And his boot. He'd been used so effectively as a kicker in the early stages of the season, and it's really showing that he's missing. For me, what I want to see from this Glasgow team is them to take their Pro 14 form into Europe and to do damage to teams. They should be in contention for quarterfinals, and I want to see better, and hopefully next week we will see that. And if we move on to Pool 4, Ulster have reversed their Pro 14 form with a victory over Leicester. Yeah, 24 points to 10 as well. Pretty convincing stuff. Although the first half of this was borderline unwatchable. So dire. Yeah, like So dire. I mean, you were you had it on the radio and it was unlistenable too, so I don't know what it was like to watch. All that was being said by commentary, if Leicester run the ball directly, they'll make yards, but they keep knocking it on. <laughs> Ulster keep winning penalties and not taking points and keep going for the corner. Why? That yeah. was the two main talking points. Do you know what? It was a scrappy first half. Part of that though was Leicester's discipline was really poor. They gave away a ton of penalties and it was really only after half time that both of these outfits seemed to kick on. And Ulster came out swinging in the second half. A really, really early try. And then a second one disallowed. Oh my God. Just straight from the kickoff. Like clown car defending to get the ball as far up as it was. And it was only a marginally forward pass from Rory Best to John Cooney that disallowed it. But just errors looking at it that the Leicester coaching team, whoever that is these days, must be furious with. I wonder his interviews about it were PC. Oh, who knows? <laughs> Still, Ulster's got a few tries. They got the win. You know, they did ship a late consolation onto Tualagi. They did. Who was anonymous for the entire game apart from that, you know? And I tell you what, they were playing in some pretty miserable conditions by the end of the game. You couldn't see the players through the rain. And on TV, that is bad. Yeah, it was real end-of-day stuff. You're kind of waiting for Moses on the top of the stand to try and spread the water. But look, it was a good result for Ulster. A bonus point would have been nice, but... A win was all that was needed here. And denying Leicester the bonus point, again, could be important when it gets to the calculations for the quarterfinals. Good control again by Cooney. It's nice to see him back playing with a bit of confidence. And at 10 for a while. Yeah, exactly. And the funny thing is, right, Ulster weren't doing anything that clever. Mostly simple rugby, nothing too flashy, but all of their passes and tackles were sticking, which hasn't been the case in their domestic form. No, and, you know, Addison coming back into team is a big difference. Yeah. Although having said that, they do need a better start, and really disappointing that when they were fifteen players to fourteen after four got yellow carded, they couldn't capitalize. Not taking advantage of a yellow card period is unforgivable in this day and age. It's the cardinal sin for you, isn't it? <laughs> Especially after last week. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. The other game in Pool fourteen, then what a roller coaster! Scarlets and Rassing. 13 points to 14. The French side coming out victorious. Yeah, and what would have been the blockbuster match of this round? Scarlet started really well. You know, they, they slowed Racing down. They made a mess of the breakdown the right way. Yeah, and if you deny Rassing that quick ball, it takes away a huge amount of their go forward. Like, this was all about their forwards, though. Like, the backup 10 O'Brien was pretty poor coming out, which, fair enough, big stage. European debut, I think. And he did improve as the game went on, but... Like, you're never going to be able to replace Patchel like for like. No, and when you look at the opposing 10, you know, Russell is just oozing class at the moment. And when he got his hands on the ball, well, Racing got their hands on the ball. They looked dangerous. Yeah, unfortunate though. They did carry their discipline issues into Europe from the top 14, giving away penalties left, right and centre. But they did strike first. Yeah, I mean, and that was really a concentration issue. Those five minutes just before half time, it's so important to be switched on. And Scarlett's had O'Brien go down injured. And just seemed to lose their head for a second. And that was all that Rassing needed. And those five minutes are the championship minutes. But what more do you expect from last year's finalists? Very true. That said, Scars came out all guns a-blazing in the second half. They did. And you know what? Davies is a live wire and off the back of a five-meter scrum. He completely tricked Rocococo, going over for a try pretty much untouched. And McNichol... Just being rapid. Yeah, Like he's incredible player. Can't give him any space. No, and Jonathan Davies kicks the ball through. You'd want to see the turning circle and some of the (laughs) rassing defenders. It was like freight tanker stuff. I wonder if they're on the the Zebo diet. What's the Zebo diet? (laughs) Seafood diet. He seafood he eats. (laughs) Gosh, I tell you what though, concentration again, letting their guards slip, losing their discipline in the last ten minutes. Penalty try conceded for three cynical fouls in a row. Yeah, Gareth Davies pulling down them all, which is a real shame given how good the pack was doing for the full rest of the game. Yeah, they must have been furious with him. I mean, they were repelling what they could, but then your scrum half goes in and pulls down them all. This is why backs aren't allowed in malls. Yeah, exactly. We all know what happened with the accidental offside for Ireland. Um, You know what? Scarlets, though, for 30 minutes in the second half after half time, did so well. Really good possession. Really well-disciplined. But just missing that focus, that concentration, that kind of leadership at the end. And you kind of think Patchell playing, he gives them that extra ten minutes of focus and direction and keeps them in the game. He can create more individual than most teams can combined. Yeah, and you know what as well as that? He helps manage Davies, who is at the end of the day, a loose cannon. God damn it, McGarnagle. <laughs> oh God. But equally, you can't lose a quarter of your own lineup ball. As Exeter found out earlier. this yes, they did. That's pretty <laughs> terrible stuff. <laughs> um, and that wraps up Pool 4. In Pool 5, another game of interest to Pro 14 fans. Edinburgh travelling to Montpellier and being beaten 21 points to 15, but losing bonus point. You will take that, and I say Edinburgh fans would have taken that before the game started. Yeah. Now, let's just get this out of the way. The Montpellier pitch was a disgrace. It looked like a second pitch from a mid-level AIL team. And to be perfectly honest, you're being extremely mean to the low levels. <laughs> True. Like, if I'm the Montpellier management, their groundsman is being used as a tackle bag for the rest of the season. Well, look, the pitch might have been rubbish, but the first two tries were incredible. Yeah, a really nice first try for Montpellier. Smart play by Pickamole, who kind of released the ball, picked it up and went again. And then it's released to Pienaar, who does a really nice step to beat a defender and gets the ball away for a try. Really nice stuff. And not to be outdone... Offloads galore in the Edinburgh try. Matter to Gilchrist, Gilchrist to Hickey, Hickey to Pygos. Then McAnally picks up a rock and goes over. Yeah, it was really just quick, responsive heads-up rugby. But then Edinburgh had this just this nightmare five minutes, two incredibly sloppy bits of defending, and they're 14 points down. But look, it's just a case of Montpellier just being that bit smarter and copping on to things. Yeah, and like particularly the second one, it was it was a high crossfield Gary Owen that landed. And there wasn't anybody from a Edinburgh shirt. Oh, you Within can't let the ball 10 bounce meters of it. You just can't let the ball bounce in the twenty-two. <laughs> Porrick is being physically sick here. Um, Montpellier winger cuts in, takes it cleanly, uncontested, goes over untouched. Like Richard Cockerell is going to murder them. I I pity I pity the player that was meant to be there because Cockerell will kill them. Laps, 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 uh, laps uh, lap forever. Concrete boots. Yeah, that too. <laughs> But you know it's funny Like you look at the stats of this game Edinburgh had 68% possession 70% territory They beat 33 defenders Like how did they not win this? But stats don't always tell the story They just weren't able to convert Yeah and do you know what They nearly did is the funny thing With 10 minutes on the clock Bradbury went over for a try And just a bit of inadvertent blocking by Simon Bergen Got it chopped off So unfortunate Which in this pool is a story Yeah true Although do you know what Particularly in this game, really good refereeing. Wayne Barron's got pretty much every decision right, as far as I could see. He's a really, really good ref, and we have him for the Ireland All Blacks match. I know, right? But you know what as well? Good communicator. Bilingual. That's so important in Europe. It's important in the Pro 14 as well. That's true. I guess, from an Edinburgh perspective, what they can take away from this, other than the bonus point, which is huge, they're starting to build a bit of depth. Like Their bench made a real impact. Just look at Jamie Ritchie, a really young back row he comes on and he really performed at that European level. Yeah, I'll tell you who else impressed me and I've been a bit critical in the last couple of weeks. Jacob van der Waal came on at 10 and he upped the intensity of the game. Like Made real impact off the bench. But the problem is, no matter the impact Edinburgh subs had, they just weren't converting chances and to take that next step that they want to do, they've got to convert their chances. Yeah, and they have to tighten up defensively. They can't afford to concede soft tries like they did. The other game in this pool then, Toulon, narrowly beaten at home. 25 points to 26 by Newcastle. Only the second time ever they have lost at home. That's pretty embarrassing stuff. There are many talking points from this match, but they, neither of them are Pro 14 teams, so we'll move on. <laughs> That's a good way for me not to rag on Ben Whitehouse again. Pretty much. Okay. There was one game in the Challenge Cup we'll take a quick look at, uh, because even though we couldn't get coverage on BT, you were at this one. I was. And in Pool 3, Connacht beat Bordeaux, 22 points to 10. Nice game in the sports ground? It was typical sports ground weather. Ooh. Rain, rain, and more rain. Was there some mud? All the mud. Yeah. All of the mud. It wasn't a good game. <laughs> I think I'll put it as a win is a win is a win is a win is a win. All day. And you know what? Maybe a little bit disappointing not to get the bonus point, but I've been in the sports ground on those type of days, and you're lucky if you still leave knowing what number you're wearing. It's so muddy and conditions are so gross. Yeah, it doesn't really help that the green numbers on the grey jerseys are invisible. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I had a look at this. obviously couldn't see it, but the yellow card, what happened there? So Copeland did 2 Copelandy things during this match. Okay. And, and one I actually flagged before the game. I actually put a bet on with someone that Copeland would give away a penalty for taking out the Scrum half while looking at the referee. And Ah, he did. The Copeland, as we call it. Yes. Okay. And his yellow card was for playing the ball in a ruck or knocking it out of the Scrum half's hands. You mean the thing he barely got away with last year? Yeah. Off that penalty, Bordeaux took the Scrum, you know, because they're against seven men, and just bundled over for a try. Ouch. But look, we never looked like losing. But well, you also didn't look like winning emphatically. Yeah, that's, that's the problem. There was 10 changes from the team that beat Ulster. We had McCabe, our best ball carrier in the match, got injured straight away. Oh, no. Our substitute scrum half literally came off the second team went on. We had to finish the game with 14 men. Oh, I, I tell you who had to play a full game again. Carty. He must be wrecked at this point. Uh, he's been held up by coffee and coffee alone. Yeah, he's playing really well, though. He really is. He was comfortably the best player on the pitch for me really controlled the game well in dire conditions. He looks tired. He's playing tired. Yeah. That's an issue. It says something when you don't have somebody coming through who can replace him with an equivalent level of quality. No, and it doesn't help that Ronaldson's injured. Yeah. Horowitz, who's... Our supposed third choice 10, or meant to be that other 10 replacement, has just played his first game for the Eagles, Yeah, you know, since coming back from injury. Strength and depth continues to be a concern. I mean, you finished with three number sevens on the pitch. I think that was more, um, Copeland wasn't being let back on after a yellow card. But Possibly yes, the case. <laughs> we did finish with three <laughs> sevens on the pitch. And we won. We needed a try bonus point, especially given the result the night before, as Sale hammered Perpingon, in Perpingon, 41 points to 24 yeah, that's a big result for Sale, who have a lot of strength, but Perpignan are propping up the bottom of the top 14 at the moment, so maybe not as much of a surprise as we'd think. They're clearly more worried about their domestic form than European form. Absolutely. Running quickly through the other results in the Challenge Cup, in Pool 1, Timisoara Saracens lost 17 points to 54 against Dragons. So I guess it turns out there is a team worse than the Dragons. But they're playing at a lower level than the Dragons. Yay, Dragons! Um, Northampton, in the same pool... Lost to Claremont, 20 points to 41. Yeah, which wasn't really a surprise, but you have to feel for the Timisoara Saris next week. They come up against Claremont. Oh, no. Cricket <laughs> score? Very probably. In Pool 2, then, Ospreys ran out 27 points to nil winners against Poe and getting a try bonus point there with the last play of the game. And Worcester had an away win, beating Stad Francais 38 points to 27. Ouch. That's gotta hurt if you're a Stad fan. Not as much as NSA fans who, who saw their team get absolutely whooped by La Rochelle. 82 points to 21 in Pool 4. Yeah, that was an absolute battering. And the other game in the pool was a little bit closer. Bristol Bears beating Zebre by 43 points to 22. Which, considering the Italians feel it a weakened team, not that big a result. No, not at all. The other Italians, though, in Pool 5, beat Grenoble 40 points to 14. Six try thumping playing a french team at home oh my god the italians can start this type of rumor i like it (laughs) Uh, and in the last game in the challenge cup this weekend quins beat agen 54 points to 22 again no real surprise agen in a lot of trouble in the top 14 at the moment mine's probably elsewhere yeah definitely and we will now move on to the second row top performer and clown of the round yeah and i've gone for our top performer this week Unfortunately, given that the Law & Order Special Beatings Unit are currently checking out the (laughs) tape of the Leinster game, we've had to disqualify all of their players from Top Performer. Because Um, it's just unfair. It's unfair to everybody. Yeah, But no, for the sake of variety, we wanted to look at someone who stood out, um, not just as a unit like Leinster are, but individually within their team. Um, And I've gone for Thomas Williams, the Scrum Half for the Cardiff Blues. Unbelievable break for Cardiff's first try. Hands off the Leon defender, makes yards, and then releases a pass that anyone of about four players could have picked up, which is just really good high percentage play. But his second try, he ends up getting the ball from Jenkins after an intercept, steps the defender inside, and then back out again. So he fixes him completely and rounds him. Like it was just, it was beautiful finishing. His pace to catch up there was incredible, and what you want to see from your scrum half. Yeah, and was doing everything right through the game as well, was getting the ball quickly and releasing Evans or Anscombe. Just really good decision-making and outstanding play. Unfortunately then, Porik, you're stuck. Who was our Clown of the Round? Well, not technically a Pro 14 relevant fixture, but luckily Sean McGowan brought this special moment to our attention on Twitter at the second row. This week's Clown of the Round had to be Freddie Burns. The missed kick was pretty bad, but then the Butcher try was unforgivable. The kiss. The wave. It was so bad. Like, you kind of, you did feel for the guy, particularly when he got hooked straight afterwards. What else are you going to do as a coach? You had, they just had to be hooked. Lesson learned. Put the ball down. Dive. Dive on the ground. Do not showboat. In all fairness to him, straight away after the game, up on Twitter, holds his hand up. My bad. My bad. My bad. He will come back from this, but oh my God, mm. what a clown moment. A, and that is why the Clown the Round Award was there. That's why it exists. <laughs> so thank you, Sean, for bringing that to our attention. And for anybody else, if you have a top performer or clown of the round, do let us know. You could be next week's featured, uh, featured tweet. <laughs> Speaking of next week, lots and lots of rugby to be played. Yeah, and for the Pro 14 sides, first up, In Pool 1, Toulouse against Leinster. Big game for Leinster. I think they'll come up against some sterner opposition this time. Leinster going to win. Okay, well, that's probably true too. (laughs) Um, In Pool 2, Munster at home to Gloucester. Yeah. You're just not saying anything? Nope. Okay, then. (laughs) Pool 3, Cardiff v Glasgow, an all-Pro-14 affair. Yeah, the two Pro-14 teams in this pool go head-to-head and... Both looking to respond, I guess, to this week's results. Cardiff to kick on and Glasgow to kick back. Pool 4, though, two beaten teams meet. And on Friday night, Scarlet's travel to Leicester. That will be good. Both with ground to make up after losing last week. And in the other game in Pool 4, Ulster travelled to Paris to play Racing 92. I don't see good things in Ulster's future. Nope. And in Pool 5, Edinburgh hosts a travelling Toulon team. Yeah, uh, a Toulon team who just got humbled by Newcastle at home. Uh, Will there be a sting in the tail? Don't know. We'll move on quickly to the Challenge Cup. Dragons host Northampton. Northampton. (laughs) Osprey's our way to Worcester. Worcester? Don't know, actually. Connacht travel to (coughs) Sale. Good job. Good job there. Good job there. Good job there. Good job there. 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 Hopefully that one will be on TV, right? No, it's not, and I won't be there, so... Our report's going to be really ropey next week. Good times. Um, then Zebra, strangely, play Bristol Bears again. For some reason, that pool has got back to back fixtures. Uh, you're a. You're Yes. <laughs> then Benetton travel to Agen. Yeah, which you'd like to think will be a win for the Italians again. So, Pork, what's your game of the round? Um, I'm going to go with Edinburgh Toulon. Just feels like a fun game. Edinburgh are looking to push on their form. Will for, Toulon travel? Nice. For me, it's all about Cardiff v. Glasgow. All Pro 14, all the time. Love it. Not Munster Gloucester. So I'm going to the Munster Gloucester game, don't get me wrong, but I'm really looking forward to seeing if Glasgow can do a number on their Pro 14 conference rivals, Cardiff. Oh, interesting. And that's all for this week. Thank you for listening. We will be back again next week for another slice of delicious European action. Don't forget, we're available on Apple Podcast. Google Podcast, SoundCloud, Acast, Stitcher, and from this week, Spotify and TuneIn Radio. So please give us a rating, uh, like the podcast, and subscribe to make sure you get all episodes directly to your device as soon as possible. We really like hearing from you and interacting with you online. So please do get in touch on facebook.com forward slash the second row or on Instagram and Twitter where we're at the second row. That is 2nd, not the word second. So until next time, take care, goodbye, and thanks again for listening. Bye, everyone.